0: Good morning. Thank you for joining us today. Here's what's happening at Gateway Community Church. The holiday season may be over, but we still have one more gift for you. Right now, media gives you access to free Bible studies and video content for you, your family, and even your small group. Go online and create your account today. Deeper Weekend for Students is coming up soon. This in-town weekend retreat is a time for them to go deeper in their faith. Sign your students up now and let us know if you'd like to host a group in your home. We are currently gearing up for our upcoming church-wide experience, MOVE, Study, Studying James Together. Listen closely because this is very important. Join a MOVE group. Starting on January 28th, we will be starting a six-week series on the book of James. It is important that you join a MOVE group in order to follow along in the study. MOVE group sign-ups begin on January 21st go to the next steps area or go online to join a group if you are interested in hosting a move group orientation dates are on january 14th and january 21st we are excited to see what god has in store for us in the study of james some final dates to keep on your radar is super bowl sunday on february 4th and a night of worship with baptisms on february 9th those are perfect days to invite a friend so mark your calendars and we hope to see you there Stay up to date with the latest news in your bulletin or visit our website at gateway-community.org. Thank you for being here and welcome to your journey. I love how we get to see God um, compassionate and uh, patient and steadfast and faithful and, and watching how Jesus talks to and reacts to the people that are in the stories when Luke gives us the details of those encounters, you just get to see more of God's character. You get to see how much he loves us. And um, I'm excited to get to study that part of him, knowing him more, knowing the God of the universe more.
1: Well, we do hope you will keep reading in Luke. Today is January 14th. The 14th chapter of the Gospel of Luke is the reading. Uh, it's, we put it every day on Facebook. We put a reminder that goes out early in the morning and, and several people have started conversing about what they're learning. And so uh, I hope that you will keep doing that as we, we spend time in God's word. Also, just, just a FYI uh, that you would know for our community's sake that um, uh, one of our pastors, Robert Cheryl's mother, passed away this week. And uh, so just ask that you be in prayer for them. They're gonna be doing some traveling uh, over the next several days, and just keep them in your prayers. Um, in, in my mid 20s, I started attending a church for the first time in several years, regularly attending. I grew up in a Christian home, I, I believed in God, and, and uh, yet there was quite honestly a lot I didn't understand that I didn't know I didn't understand, and frankly, I wasn't all that interested in understanding and going deeper. What I was mainly interested in was meeting other people my age, and dare say, meeting women. My daughter's gonna be embarrassed because I said that, but so what? Um, so I, I attended parties that singles put on and otherwise just went to worship, but I, but I couldn't help notice that while some of the folks in this group were like me, who acted somewhat Christian, there were others who, who really took their faith seriously who were regularly attending Bible studies. And and, and honestly, it kind of seemed extreme to me, you know? And yet I also began to notice something else, that these same folks were dealing with life better than I was. They were overcoming things that I I tended to struggle with. And there was a, a depth of caring from them that I was recognizing really wasn't in me. Have you ever stopped to think why some folks seem really serious about their faith? Some of the folks in here. And, and, and others just, it's kind of a take it or leave it, you know? It's okay, I'm, 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 a, I'm a Christian or I'm interested, but that's, I'm not going to get crazy about it. Have you been like I was and thought those folks who, who came to church every week, who, who actually read their Bibles and studied them, who served in and through the church and and who even gave, as Betsy mentioned, a tenth of their income to the church, were they either being suckered or just kind of taking things a little too seriously? I I didn't realize it at the time, but but Jesus recognized that too. And, And some people really got his message. Some people got really pumped up about it and others hearing the exact same message. From the Son of God. Didn't seem to give it a second thought. And and there were plenty of folks everywhere in between. In fact, he told a parable that helps explain this. Typically called the parable of the soils. And it's found in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And since we're reading in Luke right now, and since many of you actually would have read it this past week, we're going to look at Luke's telling of this parable. So open your Bibles to Luke chapter 8. Uh, or use the Version Bible app, or if you have neither of those, we have in your bulletin an insert that has a place for you to take notes and follow along the scriptures. So beginning in Luke chapter 8, I'm going to start in verse 4. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, Jesus said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed and and, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, Jesus had been traveling around the Capernaum, a town called Capernaum on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee, visiting various towns and villages, healing people, teaching, and so it wasn't surprising that he was drawing crowds. Luke tells us Jesus told the crowd a parable, and many of us have heard that word before, many of us are familiar with it. A parable literally means something cast alongside another thing to clarify it. That's what the in, the, in the actual Greek language, that's what it means. Something cast along another thing to clarify. So Jesus often used parables to make comparisons. In this parable, he compares various kinds of soils with the various kinds of mixed responses he was getting to his message about the kingdom of God. He's describing a scene that would have been very familiar to his listeners. Now, to you and me, who are not a part of an agricultural economy, most of us, this is not something we know particularly well. But in Jesus' time, this is what most of the people did. or If they didn't do it, they knew somebody who did. And Jesus often told those kinds of stories. of Farmers sowing seed and then plowing it into earth. That was kind of the typical way they farmed. Now, along the fields then, there would be paths and, and where people walked, and, and this land would have been hard packed, often not plowed under, and though not a lot of seed might have ended up on the path, some would, and Jesus said it was trampled underfoot or devoured by birds. In verse 6, Jesus says, some of the seed fell on the rock. Now we, we we hear that we might think it was something kind of like this picture. We might think this was what he was talking about. But the truth of the matter is, he was talking about a, a different kind of setting. Talking about ground that looked normal, but there was only a thin layer of topsoil on top of the underlying rock. So you kind of get the feeling here of what that would have been like: very thin soil. But on the surface, on the surface, it looked just like everything else. Verse 7 says, some seed fell among thorns, meaning there was adequate soil depth, but there were also young thistles and thorns in there that weren't yet visible, that would be growing. And we know how well weeds and thorns grow, and fairly quickly, Jesus said, they outgrow the grain and choke it out. But seeds also fell into good soil and in time produced a huge harvest. In fact, Jesus says it yielded a hundredfold harvest. Now, up to this point, Jesus has been describing what was typical, and and the farmers that would have been in his group would have said, yeah, that all sounds normal to me. But when he said a hundredfold harvest, the listeners would have done a big double take. They would have said, what? Huh? Suddenly he got their attention, because the typical yield in that day and time was between 5 and 15 times the seed sown, not a hundred times. Big, big difference. Even though seed had fallen on the path and on the rocky soil and among the thorns and that would yield little or or no harvest, the, the yield of the good soil, more than made up for the other three. In fact, it was nothing less, Jesus tells us, than supernatural. That's his point. This is not just the normal course of events. And for this reason, Jesus challenges them to hear what he said because this is not what people were expecting. It goes far beyond what they would have imagined. But Jesus' disciples aren't so clear about this parable. Verse 9, when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, to you it's been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now, the word secret used here can also be translated mystery. And in, in one reference, it refers it to the purpose and plan of God for salvation, which he works out phase by phase in human history and through the church. Someday issues like evil and, and suffering are going to go away when God finally reveals by his grace his full plan for the kingdom of God and his people through Jesus' return. Jesus quotes from Isaiah 6 verse 9 as a, as a caution to his listeners. Uh, that's the part that's in quotes. To not reject the saving message he's sharing with them. While they're, going to face, they're going to face judgment. His parable reveals truth to those who are looking for it, for those who seek it but it hides it from those who really don't seem to care, who aren't seeking God's truth. And the same is true today. If you're not seeking God's truth, then sometimes you'll come up here and you'll hear stuff and it doesn't seem like it makes any sense. It doesn't seem like it makes any difference. And somebody next to you or down the, the row from you may be staring intently. The ultimate purpose of this warning is that some would choose to repent and receive the good news of God's salvation freely offered to all so Jesus then answers his disciples request verse 11 now the parable is this he says the seed is the word of God well now why does a farmer sow seed I mean, it's obvious, he and his family need the sustenance and the income that comes from the harvest of that seed once it matures. The seed doesn't do any good for him while it's still in the ground, while it's barely growing. And Jesus tells us the word of God is even more essential to our lives. Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Every word, God's word. The seed is sown to bring a harvest. Yet, as we've observed, not everyone responds to this food for life, the word of God. The sowing of God's word is intended to bring all to repentance, to faith in God through Jesus Christ. And that's why the seed is sown everywhere in the field. Some of it even falls on the paths. The seed isn't defective but it doesn't mature in a lot of lives. And Jesus tells us why. Verse 12. The ones along the path are those who have heard. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. In other words, these folks have heard the word, but they give it no consideration. It it bounces off the hard ground. It never breaks the surface. It's never given a chance. It's just like, okay, so what? I hear you but that's 2,000 years ago, or I don't believe this stuff, or I'm, I'm here because somebody twisted my arm. And Jesus says the devil is so eager for that. He's eagerly waiting to remove that good seed from your presence so that you may not believe and be saved. He, he loves for folks to dismiss God's word, to, to say it's no big deal, or you don't, you don't have to follow this, or you can, you can play games with it. And the devil, the father of lies, will do everything in his power to reinforce this perception. He'll call this person's attention to what might be, appear to be an inconsistency in the Bible. Or he'll use one person, one Christian sin, somebody that people know is a Christian, he'll use their sin to, to lead you to kind of generalize that about all Christians, that they must all, they must all be hypocrites. Or he might point out a prayer that wasn't answered, at least not the way you wanted. Or help this person find other friends who also don't have much, put much value in God's Word. The devil has lots of ways to keep the ground hard. Verse 13, the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the Word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They, they believe for a while and in time of testing, fall away. And Jesus says these folks initially respond with joy to the good news. They, They like the idea of the good news. They like what they hear. But they don't allow God's Word to go deep into them. And when challenges come along, a time of testing, Jesus says, they fall away. It may be as simple as peer pressure at school or work or in your home. Maybe something bad happens, and because the person hasn't dug into God's Word to any depth, they fail to realize that the gospel isn't. Magic. It doesn't protect us from adversity, but it gets us through it. And they abandon it because they feel like it didn't live up to the promise, a promise that, in fact, Scripture never made. Maybe a person enjoys the feeling of the Christian community in worship, but because that person's not really that interested in, in really understanding what's behind that community, behind that worship, when disappointment comes, and it does come, it always comes, They just let go and move on, hoping to find answers somewhere else. And I'm sure you can think of a lot of other ways this analogy plays itself out in some folks' lives, maybe even yours. But the result is no harvest, no fruit, which means there's probably no salvation. The soil wasn't ready. The person wasn't willing to dig down and go deeper. Verse 14, and as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by the cares, and riches, and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. For the first time, Jesus says, there is some fruit, but he says it's not mature, and so it's not useful. It's not not helpful. I mean, ask yourself, do you like immature fruit? Is it something you you, you can't wait till that first little piece shows up and you go and you eat it because it tastes so good? Of course not. The Bible uses the word fruit to represent the good works of a life invested in God in which Jesus Christ has become Savior and Lord and the Holy Spirit is working to transform that life more and more into the likeness of Christ. But if the fruit isn't mature, I mean, it's sort of like building a bridge halfway does it help does it really do any good or having half the money for something you want is that really sufficient jesus says thorns distract the person from the cares and riches and with cares and riches and pleasures of life and while these things of life are not inherently bad, I mean, that's really important that you and I need to recognize that, that, that Jesus is not necessarily talking about just bad things here. They may even be good things, but it's that classic case that if they're more central to our lives in Jesus Christ, then it's the good getting in the way of the best. And actually, biblically, These distractions lead to idolatry, which God speaks against explicitly in the Ten Commandments and elsewhere throughout the Bible. Do you fail to make time for God in your daily routine? Do you you often find an excuse for not coming together with the community of faith to worship? Is loving your neighbor by serving just a little too inconvenient? Jesus said, so every healthy tree bears good fruit. But the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. So Jesus seems to indicate that immature fruit really is is pretty useless and needs to be disposed of, gotten rid of, put away. Verse 15, he says, as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Now, here's the thing. He says even good soil requires work and patience. But when we invest in God's word and seek to live it daily in our lives, he promises it will bear fruit. I think the word patience here is so important because this is a process, a journey. It doesn't happen magically. It doesn't happen all at once, but in and through the daily processes of life as they're submitted to Jesus Christ. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's amazing. Sometimes it comes easily. But other times, if we're honest, it's hard. But it's how fruit, it's how good mature fruit is made. This life has accepted Jesus as Savior and made him the Lord of their lives each day, every day, not just when it's convenient, seeking to follow him as a disciple who, who loves God and loves his or her neighbor and actively works to help others become disciples. So in telling this, in telling this parable, Jesus implicitly asks his listeners then and he asks us, which soil are you? Which soil are you? And even beyond that, which soil do you want to be? See, here's the thing. Jesus didn't tell this parable so that that those who were listening, who recognized they were hard-packed soil or they were rocky soil or they were thorn-infested soil should feel hopeless, like it's over and done. I might as well hang it up. He used the image of the soil knowing that the soil can be changed, changed with effort to produce miraculous, supernatural, hundred-fold results. He said what is impossible with man is possible with God. And when you welcome Jesus Christ into your life, God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, to begin the work of transforming you as you cooperate with him. So how does each soil type then, if you will, sort of cooperate with the Holy Spirit to produce fruit? As we walk through these, I'm going to share some ideas and, and whether you're the soil or you're trying to help someone else who is that soil in their spiritual journey, maybe there's some things here that can help. And, and so on, on the bulletin on the back, ways to cooperate with the Holy Spirit to produce fruit, I've got the soils listed and there's some space there for you to write down what you can use, what you can take away, uh, not just fill in the blank, but what you can do concretely. So the, the, the first type of soil is the hard-packed soil. And it ultimately, it, it, for it to change, it's going to require Christ to come into that life. And, and and if that's been you, you can do that this morning. Our prayer team is going to be down here in, in just a few minutes after the service, and they would love to talk with you about what that, what's involved, how do you do that, why you should do that. But here's the thing, you and I need to pray for this this is a spiritual battle. And Jesus says the devil, this is the one where he specifically talks about the devil is involved to steal every life-changing opportunity from that person. So they need prayer. We need prayer. Look for ways to sow seed, to share God's word in, in kind and loving ways because Jesus promises that his word will never return void. Look for ways To do that, to love that person unconditionally, which is what followers of Christ ought to be doing to everyone anyway. But let the love of Christ in you reach out to genuinely love that person, regardless of their response. Don't make them a project, but simply a person to love. And we need to realize this. That sometimes adversity is often the beginning point for these folks, forcing them to open up to God because they've tried everything else. I have listened to so many folks who, who though it was hard what they went through, later admitted it was the best thing that ever happened to them because, in effect, it broke up that hard ground. It wasn't their choice. It wasn't their timing. It wasn't because they wanted to do it, but something came into their lives and broke it up, and they had to find an answer. They had to find something to get them through, and they allowed God's Word in to be implanted into their hearts and to bring salvation. Whether it's through a ministry like Celebrate Recovery that meets here on Monday nights, or Grief Share, or Divorce Care, or just walking alongside somebody who's going through a hard time. It's amazing what God can do when that soil begins to break apart. The next is the rocky soil, and this, this represents someone who's excited about it and likes the idea of the gospel, but, but isn't learning how to dig deeper into God's Word. Just like the hard-packed soil person, they need our prayers. They need unconditional love to help them come to a deep and true faith in Jesus. And and they need to understand there is a real cost to discipleship. It's not just simply I can say some words and somehow I'm magically transformed for the rest of my life like I've somehow bought fire insurance. It is so much more than that. These folks often need help developing a discipline for there to be accountability of spending time, daily time in God's Word and weekly time in worship of being involved in community with other Christians and discovering the value and importance of serving. These are ways that you and I go, can go deeper. Next is the thorny soil. And in a sense, the issue here isn't really the soil itself, but what else is in the soil Jesus Christ, in this case, isn't the center of this life, just a part, maybe an important part. And yet when it comes down to making a choice, Scripture says the cares and riches and pleasures of life usually seem to win out. It could be work, or sports, or a hobby, or money, or even a person, or your family. Now, I know it sounds so good when when we say family first. I mean, that's a mantra, I think, of our our day and our age. But the truth is, if family, listen to me, if family comes first, then God is no better than second. That may be a, a new thought for you. When God is first, we have more resources in ourselves and more love to give to our family so that the the family actually comes out better when we put God first. When I'm talking with couples in premarital counseling, I say, if you put your wife or your husband first, you can love them this much on your own. But when you put God first, First, ahead of them, then it's not like you're loving them on batteries. You know what happens with batteries? It runs out. And what happens in, in our lives is we get tired sometimes of loving on someone because we're loving them out of our own resources. <coughs> Excuse me. Instead, when we plug into God's love, when it's like plugging into the wall, into the outlet, it's then that we we tap into this unlimited source of love. And so when, where I can love my, my wife this much on my own, when I put my wife first, when I put my wife second behind Jesus Christ, I can love her like this. And the same thing is true of our families. God does not want to be a part of my life or yours. He wants to take over it. He wants to run it. Jesus told us we can serve only one master and if we want him to transform our lives. We've got, to, we've got to have to make the choice to make him our priority. We have to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, read God's word and follow Jesus. Thank you. Which brings us to the good soil, which is the goal. But here's the thing about even the good soil. We need to remember that the good soil can, over time, become thorny or rocky or even hard-packed if we don't keep caring for it. Good soil isn't a sign that we've arrived, but it's the place where real fruit can begin to grow in our lives to bless others and ourselves. And to keep the soil good, we have to stay in God's word and all the practices that got us there. We can't say, okay, I'm, I'm, I've got good soil. I, I don't have to do anything else. I can just take it easy from here on out. That's the devil tricking us. Now, at times we may need to vary our practices, just as the farmer rotates crops, because we can't just assume good soil happens. This is a journey. And the, remember, the proof of good soil is fruit, no fruit, and there's something wrong. And so our, our MOVE study offers, I believe, all four types of soils, opportunities to grow and deepen in faith. It's a, it's a great setting for inviting those who have been hardened to the gospel into non-threatening locations like our, our homes or our workplace or our school. It's a powerful way to spend six weeks digging deeper into God's Word so that we can remove any rocks in our soil. It's an important way to, to set as a priority God's Word in our life and overcome the thorny soil that that wants to grow up and choke it out. And it's a great way to nurture and enrich good soil and help it spread to others. The Bible says every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. So here we are on January 14th, two weeks in. So he's still got 50 weeks left. I want to challenge you, don't wait another day. Don't say, I can do it tomorrow, because why? Because something will come up. It's not that you got bad priorities. It's that stuff always comes up. We're always busy. There are always things happening. Many of you today need to sign up to host a group, a group maybe for people in our church, or maybe a group for people in your community, or in your neighborhood, or at your workplace, or at your school. And all of us need to get in a group and get our our journal. This is what they look like. And many of you actually wrote devotionals in here. So that's really cool. During the Civil War, Sam Houston Jr. was miraculously saved from a potentially fatal bullet. The son of the famous general for whom our city is named was shot from behind. and and the bullet ripped through the knapsack and hit the Bible he was carrying. The Bible, which belonged to his mother, stopped the bullet at Psalm 70. Thou art my help and my deliverer. God's word literally saved Houston's physical life. But let me tell you, it will do the same thing spiritually for everyone who seeks to be good soil, who lives every day word we can do this because it's not us it's God working in us that wants to make this happen to happen in you and it's my hope and it's my prayer that you'll get you'll let him you'll let him you'll dive in you'll jump in feet first say here I am Lord send me our prayer team is going to be down here if you want to talk to somebody about any of this the signups and the information about the move groups is out at next steps or you can in your bulletin or online Uh, if you're a guest today uh, we're so glad you're here and I'm going to be out here with some friends and would love to say hello to you church family if you brought someone send them bring them out there and, and and introduce them to us. But let's let's close at this point with prayer. Would you join me? Heavenly Father, help us to look at our lives and be honest about what kind of soil we have been. Some of it may make us very sad. And yet, Lord, you're not about shaming us but about transforming us. And you're willing to take us wherever we are to meet us in this moment, in this place, even if it's less than what we think it should be, and meet us there and walk with us forward into the kingdom. Help us, Father, to to trust you, take you by the hand, to take your word and consume it. Allow it to become a part of us. Allow us to become good soil that produces fruit. Not just three times or five times or ten times or fifteen times, but supernatural hundredfold fruit. You do that, God, in the heart that's submitted to you, in this good soil. Help us to be good soil, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless y'all. See you next week.
0: To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.